0: When our children were were very young, we we had a a family game that we would play together. It was a very simple card game we purchased called Who Am I? and it was very simple. A person would draw a card seated around the the uh, dinner table and on their card would be the name of a Bible character along with some clues to see if you could get the other people to guess who the character was. So a person may draw a card and then they would give us the clues by saying i heard the words you must be born again and if we knew our bibles we would all say well that's nicodemus another person might say well my clue is i heard the words hurry and come down for today i must stay at your house and again if we were to get the answer it would be well who is zacchaeus If someone had drawn the card we're looking at today they might say i heard the words from jesus today you will be with me in paradise and we would know that that was the thief on the cross this passage i'm getting ready to read here for good friday is one of the most astounding conversions in all of the bible if not in all of history and it took place in the closing hours of jesus's life in luke chapter 23 It begins in verse 32 with these words. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God his chosen one and the soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying if you are the king of the Jews save yourself there was also an inscription over him this is the king of the Jews one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying are you not the Christ save yourself and us but the other rebuked him saying all four of the Gospel writers Matthew Mark Luke and John all mention that Jesus was crucified with two other men but it's only here in Luke's Gospel that we are given insight as to the conversation that took place between Jesus and these men but we have to begin asking why was Jesus crucified with two thieves certainly The human reason, part of it, was that it was to be an insult on the part of the Romans. The Romans hated the Jews as much as the Jews hated the Romans. They saw them as an occupying imperial force. And no Roman soldier ever asked to be assigned to Palestine, and especially not to the city of Jerusalem. People who claimed to be the Jewish Messiah were common. And they were viewed by the Romans as nothing more than a nuisance. Pilate had the sign saying Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, posted over Jesus' head on the cross. And he did that to be an insult to the Jews. In effect, he was saying, look, this is what we do to your king. This is your king, and see how we treat him. But there's more at play here than just the human reasons why there were two thieves crucified with Jesus. It also was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, lived 700 years before Jesus was born. And yet, he foresaw in chapter 53 53 of Isaiah, chapter 12, that the coming Messiah, it said, would be numbered with the transgressors. So now, even in his death, Jesus is numbered with transgressors. Well, let's see how Luke describes the reactions of these, these two men. The first man verse 39 basically describes his reaction of rejection and blasphemy toward Jesus the King James Version says one of the malefactors uh, that word is used not of someone who is a first-time offender but a hardened criminal these two were lawless men they were habitually lawless sometimes we can feel pity perhaps for someone who is starving and steals food but that is not what these men were they were habitual thieves no telling what other crimes they had committed and so this first man this first thief on the cross next to Jesus is shouting insults and blasphemy at him and the wording is that it was habitual he did it over and over he hurled insults at him Luke says in chapter in verse 39 Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. That may sound like a confession of of faith when he calls him the Christ, but it was really said like an insult. It would be like you or me being downtown in Macon and and seeing a car maybe parked too far over in a parking space next to it. And we see a policeman and say, aren't you a policeman? Do something about it. that's, That's not a respectful statement. It's more of an insult. And so this man wants Jesus to be the Messiah for his own selfish purposes. Oh, he wants to be delivered from what he the agony of what he is facing. But he only wants to be delivered so he can go on living his own sinful, selfish life. Some of us today are like that. We, we have the same view. We, we kind of have an arrogant view and an arrogant use of God. We want him to help us help get me out of this jam God but it's certainly not a confession of submission and repentance so there's no humility with this first man there's no repentance so we come to the second man and we see a very different reaction in verse 40 it says but the other rebuked him he looks back at the thief across the way and, and and rebukes him for what he is saying Even though the Gospels say he started out shouting the same insults at Jesus, something changes. Perhaps it took a couple of hours, but something comes over this man, and we don't know what it was. Perhaps it's the sign over Jesus' head. Perhaps it was the way that he saw Jesus not respond with insults for insults. Perhaps he heard no cursing and anger coming from the mouth of Jesus, and it made an impression on him. Perhaps it was when he heard Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Isn't it interesting that given two identical circumstances, two people in the same identical circumstances, one turns to God while another turns away from him? one humbles himself before god and the other looks for escape maybe in a bottle or with some pills the same family faces tragedy and one family member turns to god in faith while the other one another family member gives way to despair and hatred and bitterness well this man shows a change a change toward jesus it's a change in his heart and by rebuking the other thief in a sense it's a public profession in Jesus he is identifying publicly with Christ before all of these people who are observing the crucifixion he says don't you fear God don't you fear being on the threshold of death don't you fear enough to keep from mocking even though all three men had received the same sentence death in verse 41 he states the difference between he and the other man and Jesus when he says we deserve our judgment we are guilty this is this man's open confession of his own sin he admits that he is a robber and that he is a thief he does not try to cover it up and he also says but this man has done nothing wrong so he makes a request and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. As far as I know, and I'm open to correction, but I have found no other place in the Gospels where someone addressed Jesus this way. We have lots of times from conversations or in the crowd when Jesus was there and he would be addressed first as rabbi, teacher, master and yet this man calls him by the name that the angel gave to Mary to call her son Jeshua which means God saves Jesus he says remember me when you come into your kingdom this man is obviously Jewish and the language that he uses lets us know that he realized Jesus was not there to set up a military kingdom not a political kingdom But a spiritual one so when he says to Jesus remember me he's expecting him to set up that kingdom well in verse 43 and following we have the reaction of Jesus back to him I imagine that Jesus looked at him through bloody swollen eyes and I think he probably had somewhat of a smile on his face and he said I tell you the truth Today, you will be with me in paradise. And the emphasis in that statement is on the word today. Not some future kingdom millennia away. Not years from now, but today. If you know your history, you know that it, it typically took days for a person who was crucified to die. But Jesus is saying, before the sun sets, you will be with me. Today in paradise. So many of the promises about the coming Messiah had to do with him being called Emmanuel, which means God with us. In John 14, Jesus had said a few nights before this Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am you know the way to the place where I am going so whereas the names of the Messiah had been God with us Emmanuel now Jesus is saying you will be with me you will be with me c.s lewis said if you read history you will find that the christians who did most for the present world were those who thought most of the next world those who did most for the present world were those who thought most of the next world jesus wants you and me as his followers as his believers to think about to ponder to anticipate being with him in that place that he has gone to prepare. And we will see that thief. We're not told his name here, but we will see him and we will know him. God can forgive any sins at any time. Never tell yourself that you are beyond God's reach. Don't tell yourself. Uh, grace is not sufficient for me you don't know the things that I have done you don't know how long I've lived the life that I've lived take heart my friend take heart with this man who in the closing hours of his life had a change of mind he came to faith and repentance do you have the assurance that you will go to heaven Luke 19 said that for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save which was lost even in His dying moments, Jesus was concerned about seeking and saving the lost. Do you believe? Do you believe that, that God's payment through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is sufficient to pay for all your sins? To cover your sins That there's nothing you can do with your own good works, with your own efforts, with your own morality to earn God's favor? If that is what your trust, if you have turned to Christ in faith and repentance, then you too can anticipate God's word that if you were to die today, you have the promise, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray together. O God, although the death of Christ on the cross was a couple of millennia ago, we thank you that it has application and is efficient and effective for us even today. May our trust be in Christ and in Him only, even as we observe today the death of Christ on the cross as we anticipate His resurrection. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you.